Hey, everybody. Welcome to On the Homefront. John Murphy here with you. I'm very happy to have you with us, whether you're listening to us live on WILI AM 1400 or 95.3 FM. We're also recording this on video for YouTube. WILI Radio has its own YouTube channel for many of its programs that are on the air weekdays from 5 to 6. So if you miss a show, it's always archived there. And the thing that we like about it is that our guests get to have a chance to get a link to the program so they can share their story with other people that might want to know. So it's building out, and we're glad to have you here, however you're getting to us. Now, our program today is very special for me because I've been covering the Generations Family Health Center for many, many years. And we're at a very interesting historic time of transition and we have the outgoing CEO and the incoming CEO together at the moment of transition. And we're going to use our program today to talk about the past, how healthcare has evolved in our region, what all the challenges are that have happened in the years while Arvind has served. And we've had him on the program a few times over the years, which has always been great. And now with Melissa coming in, Melissa Myers, we can look into the future. And she wants to share some ideas about strategies and plans they're trying to do to figure out how to adapt. So my thanks to both of you for being here today. Pleasure. Thank Always you for having us. Thank yes. you so much. Many times, many times. Yes. <laughs> and I think we have the whole show, so we have two parts. And for the first half, we'll take a look at how we got to where we are today. We've talked many times about changes in the architecture of healthcare and the funding and the injection of the profit sector as part of the mix. Mm in a more dominant role than it used to have. And then healthcare delivery changes, a whole lot of things. And I guess maybe for the first half, we can highlight for people that are watching us some context of how we got to here, what's happening structurally, and then we can go from that point forward. Would that be a nice start? Sure, Sounds sure. Good. Okay. So you know, this is a rural part of the state. And as a rural part of the state, you know, it has um, it has its own challenges. It has transportation. It has uh, network capacity issues. Uh, sometimes our patients have to travel far. Sometimes, uh, sometimes the services are just not here in this area. So anyway, coming to this area was really exciting. I came here on the fourteenth of fifteenth of of May, two thousand and one. Yes. That was a long time ago. And uh, before that, I remember coming here, being interviewed, uh, Missy <laughs> driving me <laughs> all over site. Eastern Connecticut <laughs> oh in my goodness. pouring rain. It was pouring. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And the, it was really coming down buckets and buckets. So this is about maybe um, February, March, mm -hmm. uh, when I came here and I interviewed I'm so grateful they selected me to be the first uh, full-time CEO for for generations. And, uh, you know, I've been working in Bridgeport, and in Bridgeport I, I learned all my tricks about um, community health. And, uh, well, not all of my tricks. I mean, <laughs> I, I was taught many of <laughs> But, uh, you know, I got to understand uh, how how medical care and how behavioral health care and how dental care is delivered and how interesting and how integrated it was in a community health center environment. And so coming over here was a natural with one difference. It was a rural site. Mm. And in rural site, you know, we are not just challenged with the delivery system. We also traveled. We also got travel. 
and we've got the time between visits for patients is, mm. is yeah. an issue. So we had a big, big run. Every five or six years, we doubled our project. Mm -hmm. We doubled the size of mm -hmm. our program. Yeah. We added patients. We added services. Uh, we added special populations. Mm -hmm. One of the first populations I was very interested in was HIV. HIV, yeah. Yeah, because I felt like, you know, that's a boat that we should not miss. Yeah. And uh, so we started, we, we built out HIV services. That was one of the first services. Mm -hmm. I know we implemented our dental mobile program. Yes, we did. And that was really awesome. You know that, that dental van? I'm so impressed. 20 years on the road. 20 years now. It, 48 now locations in its first year. <laughs> yeah. 48 different locations served like 44,000 patients. 4,000 kids. Yeah. That dental van was just awesome. Across the smiles. Yes. Well, that's how you impact everyday life. Because right. if you don't feel good, you're impacted. You can't do well in school. What, you know, whatever you're doing is compromised. And if you don't have easy access, if mass transit is very limited, mm -hmm. and you don't have your own, that's a quality of life issue. You know, the beauty about generations is that our motivation is mm -hmm. not about the money. It's about service. It's about delivery. And it's about patient satisfaction. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we have, we've got a bunch of folks. We have a fine collection of professionals. That's what our motivation is. It's not about the money. It's not about what you have in your wallet. It's more about, hey, you know what? How can we get you through this? What do we need to really get you involved in your self-management? Because you should be driving the bus. We can only just provide you with good, you know, science and hopefully, you know, some positive outcomes for you. You've got to, you've got to drive the bus. You've got to go and take your medicine. You've got to self-manage, you've got to quit your smoking, your doping, your drinking, your drugging, your beating, your looting, your shooting, whatever you're doing that's bad, okay? You've got to stop doing that. Sounds kind of Hollywood to me. Actually, it's, it's a song from um, Jimmy Cliff. Okay. You know Johnny, You're Too Bad? Oh, Johnny Too Bad. Johnny yep. Too Bad. Yeah, I guess With so. a pistol in your hand. Where are you going to run to? Well, you know, song. something else about Generations that was very special when it happened was bringing in... Uh, Spanish language physicians. Mm -hmm. We have a very large, diverse, growing Hispanic Latino community. Many kinds of Spanish are spoken here. Mm -hmm. And having people that are capable and come from that community is another quantum level of care that is not available usually. Right. How has that helped you with the mission? And can you share any stories about how things have changed? Because they're right near downtown by the hospital. It's a beautiful facility, been there for a long time many programs in one place and the latino community sometimes is still isolated from the larger structures how does that work so you know i i have a feeling that yeah language is really important in fact there's nothing more beautiful than hearing your language being spoken to you but there is a universal language and that's the language of compassion every patient knows that patients respond greatly with that. Even even uh, people who are delivering care, they they uh, when they've got that magic going mm. on and there's, you know, where there's compassion and there's, you know, that's where I think healing can begin. But language is a big issue. You know, uh, I think everybody has the ability to self-manage. Um, they 
may have different science, but they have the same abilities to self-manage. And we have to really find ways of being able to communicate and get to that. And um, I think the language of, of compassion, the language of our mission is something which is fluent and um, it really cuts across a lot of barriers. We've managed to bring technology in. Missy, mm -hmm. you've mm -hmm. done a lot of that stuff. Yeah, right? we have uh, software now. Uh, we're fortunate. Right now we have bilingual, Spanish-speaking healthcare professionals in all three of our disciplines, medical, dental, and behavioral health. Right. So a patient can book with someone who speaks Spanish. So that's at least a start. But we also have software so that we can provide translation with many different languages for folks, whether they're in person or on telehealth. And then we also have community health workers who go out and do outreach in the community who speak Spanish and can connect to people regardless of where they are. That language um, barrier isn't there. And so they can connect with people about their needs and, and get them hooked up with care. I think hiring for the, from the community is like Absolutely. a total natural. You've got, <laughs> you've got the real medicine right there. They're going to church and we're serving them at the same time and so you know that kind of um, of hiring from the community is there in all the community health centers. you know 17 of them in the state and there's actually 1200 of them in the country and they all are local in a city maybe not in a city maybe rural like ours you mm -hmm. know but but they're all the same we hire from the community we worship together we in the same traffic jams together we are we see them in the grocery store. We, we're, we're in the same spaces that they are in. And that's, I think, really helps, I think, makes our, 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 our care accessible and reachable. And then by doing outreach into the community. And we've done that's some right. very special things like in the farms. Absolutely. We, we have done some really amazing work the in farms. the farms. Mm -hmm. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Just gone there, done our, um, our immunizations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, COVID testing. With the idea of like, hey, you know what? We're going to try to prevent you from lining up in the ER. Okay. Right. That's the idea. And it's not about the money. It's really, well, we get paid regardless, you know. But it's making sure that the effect of your program is now you're seeing uh, the readmission rates have dropped. You're seeing the quality in our programs is really astounding. And uh, the whole thing about the readmission mm. is key because that used to be a, it's, it's like chronic health care failure you know it's like remission going back into jail over mm -hmm. and over again yeah, the yeah, same yeah. things no need for that right now uh, in case you've joined us on the radio we're, we're having a conversation today about generations family health care center with the outgoing ceo arvin shaw and the incoming ceo melissa myers the transition's actually happening this week but in the 20 years or so that uh, you've been riding shotgun as it were uh, what are some of the biggest changes in revenue sharing or sources of revenue or how you manage your expenses with other entities you must work with in terms of that? Not to lose this in the accounting details, mm -hmm. but the flow of resources mm -hmm. and what's gone up or what's gone down or what's changed. Well, you know, healthcare is really demanding. We've had HIPAA. You know, HIPAA was mm -hmm. a real huge, huge program that required implementation. It made it tremendously more expensive. We put electronic medical records mm -hmm, in there. Mm -hmm. We've done telehealth. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the governor... Built new buildings with extra with funding yeah. that we but creatively found. 
But I think revenue-wise that's changed is the Affordable Care Act. There's more people insured. We used to have a much higher rate of people that were uninsured coming right. in. And now it's stressing it's, the safety net, that's right. Exactly. And so strengthening that state safety net, and that allows people to access care much more easily, whether it's at our health center or specialty diagnostics labs. Um, that was probably one of the biggest game changers for us over time. People tend to look at Obamacare, and they think of it in just in monolithic ways of just uh, uh, it providing better insurance and more insurance opportunities for folks. But actually, you know that building that you see, on hmm. Valley and Main Street. That is $5 million of Obamacare money in there. Five million bucks out of that 13 million came from Obamacare. Uh, people don't realize that uh, uh, the Obamacare program was involved in huge supply side changes because, it, you know, you can have as much insurance as you want, but sometimes the insurance isn't worth the paper it's printed on because when you go and you try to use it, they tell you, well, you know, it doesn't work on a day which ends with a Y, <laughs> or, you know, or, or, you know, there's a no-fly thing where you can't get these drugs on this and you can only get it from over here, and this is out of pocket, and this is your copay, and this is your deductible, and there's all kinds of malarkey that goes along with, with those kinds of things. I think we have to make our, our care very much more simple and much more straightforward. And I think by taking out the insurance companies and putting them on the side of the road where they rightfully belong and keeping all of our care under one roof mm. and integrated like that where we look at people as people and not as, you know, as revenue sources and not as uh, loss, loss leaders or whatever, and look at that disease and, 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 and take it from that point I think we've got a much better shot of being able to turn stuff around for patients when we deal with them like that. And I think that's, again, I think, you know, we're also, we're run by a community board, which is made up of patients, mm -hmm. and they have done a tremendous job in mm -hmm. so far as uh, learning about the systems that they have to learn about, implementing the systems that we've had to come about. I mean, we built, Missy built two buildings at the same time. <laughs> It's crazy times. <laughs> you know, but this is the time we had. You know, the Obamacare was a very, very important time for us. Yeah. And, you know, it really helped. It helped us because until then we hadn't reached that therapeutic zone where um, where the volume uh, really justified the kind of expenses we were. And mm -hmm. so we were a little bit underwater all the time. But once we built our buildings and mm -hmm. we created our footprint, the economics of it totally changed. And the economics meant that, you know, we could see all the folks on our sliding fee scale without thinking of how do we sell our kidneys, you know. Uh, we, we, could, we, could, we could understand the folks on the safety net and not worry about, hey, you know what, how are we going to meet payroll? And so far, touch wood, yeah. we've met payroll. Well, and it made things easier for our patients because prior to the new building that, that's over down the street, we were in three separate buildings. We had different services in different buildings, and that's not easy for anyone, staff or patients. Either way. Yeah, and, and so yeah. putting it all in one spot and having your care coordinators and your outreach people that could wrap their arms around the patients and, and approach it in a holistic way, I mean, that's just, you can't get better than that. That's, that's the mission. And to treat the person as the whole person, as Arvind said, um, and be able to tend to all of their needs in one one visit, as opposed to, 
we're going to send you over there and we're going to send you over there. And yeah. we even brought in quests so they could get their lab work in the building and over time. Saves and, a lot of time. You know, it, it, and make sure that the blood work actually happens because there's a lot of challenges, especially if you don't have transportation. So, you know, just trying to make things easier for patients. And their programs and the implementation mm -hmm. of programs and not just as, not just you know the things that we've been able to do to lower the barriers for care, mm -hmm. but it's also enhancing those services. Added value, yeah. yeah. You know, bringing you know, in specialty practices. Yeah. And uh, I think you know, I wish I could figure out my insurance program, uh, <laughs> but we have folks who do that for patients who can interpret Obamacare the various styles of Obamacare, the gold plan, the silver plan, the bronze plan. Yeah, there are you know, many options. There are mm. many, many things. And, you yeah. know, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time and, and effort, but I think once people begin to understand how, how it works, etc., they become better consumers. And then they also understand the importance of keeping healthy and, you know, yeah. staying on the right side of their medicines. Okay, we're going to take a short break for a couple of messages and come back and continue our chat looking at Generations Family Healthcare. There's an article in the Connecticut Mirror today called The Legislature Must Act to Prevent Healthcare Deserts. Uh, it's from somebody who's involved in the Wyndham United to Save Our Healthcare, a coalition. The name is Brenda uh, Bookbinder. And she's talking about Wyndham Hospital, Sharon Hospital, Johnson Memorial, and Day Kimball are calling out for measures to stop closures and health inequities. And this is kind of the growing environment that Generations is functioning in moving forward. And that's where we're going to go right after the break. Stay with us. Okay, we're back live here on the home front. We're very happy to have you with us. Our focus this week is on health care in Eastern Connecticut, especially concerning the Generations Family Health Center. And we have the outgoing CEO with us today, Arvind Shaw, as well as the incoming CEO, Melissa Myers. And we're looking now kind of moving forward from, as opposed to some of the roots of the healthcare system that generations emerged from. Now we're saying in our new environment post-COVID, how do we navigate? And that, I guess, is a good point you raised, is how you integrate your service delivery uh, with other areas of health to coordinate and help patients find what they need. Right. Yeah. So that's um, such a priority for us because we know our patients face a lot of challenges, whether it's the, a lack of insurance or it's a language barrier or transportation issues. There are so many things that can get in the way of healthcare. And whether it's the patient's priorities or the healthcare provider's priorities, mm -hmm. something can get in the way that makes that system hard to navigate. So we have special services. We have assets in our health center that other healthcare organizations don't have the benefit of. We have care coordinators and outreach workers who do all who provide that connective tissue between the primary care provider and the specialist or right. some of the other. Um, avenues that that patient has to navigate. And our, our healthcare system's pretty complicated for most people, regardless of if you have any challenges or not. So if you also add on some other challenges like transportation or language, et cetera, it just gets harder and harder and harder. So our staff step in and try to bridge those gaps and help our patients connect to the things that they need. It could be shelter, it could be food, it could be insurance, it could sure. be anything. And we connect with our local resources, our hospitals, our specialty partners, labs, pharmacies. We have great medication programs with the pharmacies um, as far as access. 
So we really spend a lot of time and energy on those relationships. Um, and you typically have WRCC in here with you, one of our great partners, especially in H HIV care. Yeah. We have so many great community partners that we work with every hour of every day to meet these needs for our patients. So really, um, the system is, is difficult to navigate, but if you've got a, provi a healthcare provider who's going to step in and help you navigate that, then ask you take that help because you can't get it everywhere. And at Generations, it's what makes us special. But also, we put a lot of energy into it. We put financial resources into it. Um, you know, I, I want to mention, we have a patient assistance fund. And it's not a lot of money, but it's cash that we put aside to pay for things for patients that aren't covered by insurance or whatnot, but they're health-related. Our staff put their own money into that to help our patients. Could you give some examples of the kind of things that fall through sure. the cracks? There, there's um, a child with special health care needs, a family that we worked with in the last couple of months who needed physical therapy, family couldn't get there. So an alternative was we paid for swimming lessons and swimmies so that the child could go. Because that was the only physical therapy that that family could get to is if we paid for that and they got to go. Right. I mean, that's who does that? You yeah. know, but a community health center does that yeah. because we make sure that we're creative. We have staff who can whip up magic um, that you just wouldn't believe in terms of helping our patients and they just go to the nth degree to try to find the resources to find the solutions and that's what makes us different um, but then you know the other side of it is the system is difficult and so we try to advocate outside our walls for our patients whether that's at hospitals or specialists etc um, and I would just I would advise any of our patients if you're running into difficulties please ask for the help ask for the care coordinator to step in and help you navigate and, um, you know, look for those resources in the community because they are there. You know, there are many other cases like this. I mean, every mm -hmm. day we probably have, you know, a couple hundred cases. Not all of them need intensive case management, but the mm -hmm. ones that do, one of them that comes to my mind is an 84-year-old woman. Uh, she had uh, retinopathy, and her, there was a blood clot behind her retina and she was going to lose her eyesight. Mm. The, the folks in Eastern Connecticut couldn't handle it, and so we found a provider. Now, you know, we do the primary care. We don't do the secondary or the tertiary care. Right. We just do the primary care. So, you know, our thing is like in the office. This meant a patient had to go, she had to go to Hartford, we arranged for her transportation. We arranged for her visit. We paid for that visit. She went there. She had the matter addressed. And she came back. And she is uh, still in the environment. She's still being uh, thing. But, you know, the, the loss of eyesight was mitigated. There are several things like this that we've done. We've invested mm -hmm. in technology. How do you... How do you I mean, the biggest thing, I think, in, in this coordination thing is people getting lost to follow up. Mm. This is a very, very serious issue. But we've got software that helps us. We've got technology that helps us. We've got, actually, software platforms that we actually share with some of our colleagues so that the loosey-goosey, some of the soft tissue uh, um, 
care coordination that happens like for housing or for uh, food uh, management or you know transportation things that maybe help maybe done by other people right. but it's all centered around that same patient we have that ability so that our sister agencies can actually see that same thing and say what you've done and worked up on it without violating any of the HIPAA stuff. And so it's like a social media platform, like kind of a deal. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But it's it makes really things very efficient. It right. saves a lot, right? right? It, it really yeah. cuts through the whole thing. So, I mean, by putting this kind of technology in there and by telehealth, the telehealth was another huge innovation for us. It really broke down barriers because I can tell you this. I don't know. Have you ever got a telephone call from your provider? Once in a while, not often. I tell you, it makes not me often. feel like singing opera. Okay, <laughs> you know, when I get a call, yeah, it's often. like wow, you know, I got all of that, and yeah. and not just that, you know, if I'm ready, I've got my things all laid out, and I've got yeah. my points made, and I want to make sure that you know, within the the 15 minutes that we we speak, we we have those things. So these things have really broken down the barriers for for care really helps patients but I think you know the biggest thing that we can do for patients is help them identify their self-management goals and help partner with those self-management goals because those self-management goals when addressed correctly lead to great outcomes from our community and we can see it in our data we mm -hmm. can see this in our data and you know when you see it in data then you see it in dollars because <laughs> that's what people need to see as well when that happens let me know okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what they say anyway. That's the idea. If you see it, you can quantify it. You can say, well, there's a real need, not imagine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you don't use money, they think the need isn't there. That's not always the case at all, right? Right, right. Yeah. You know, you're making a very big assumption that the systems that we have are aware. Our systems are not aware. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. In fact, if you look and see what's going on, the reasons why you have such serious issues in our community is because of this lack of integration, because we have chosen to put these blinders on and we don't understand that the thigh bone is connected to the hip bone and we refuse to acknowledge those things. We think somebody else will address those issues and we think that, hey, you know what, the insurance company, I paid my premium, I should be dissing my, 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 my provider, my, sorry, my, my employer paid my premium and therefore I'm okay. No, that's just the beginning. The real connective tissue happens in that, making sure that those outcomes are good and making sure that the system doesn't fail. The system has failed us in many ways, especially when it comes to uh, the workforce. Well, that's one thing I did want to ask while we had time is, I just wonder how often when you encounter people that are in stress, how much of it is because they don't have a job that would provide employment, or they have an employer that keeps them at such a level of hours that they don't qualify. And so, so there are so many people, either they're stuck in jobs they right. hate because of the insurance, and so creatively they're limited because of the requirement for health care. And yeah, that cuts both ways. And it's so hard for folks, like um, for our, there are folks that are uninsured, many of them work in small businesses and right. whatnot, where it's so difficult and expensive to yeah. get insurance for your employees. Right. And so folks are kept to part-time hours and whatnot because that business owner has to manage their business. Yep. That's, that's their livelihood. And so they're really caught in the middle 
between wanting to take care of their employees but also needing to manage their livelihood. So it's a really difficult spot. Um, I know there's some legislation out there this year to try to help business, small business owners with the costs of insurance and whatnot. That's the way it needs to go. If you truly want a workforce that is healthy and able to work, well, then you need to ensure the healthcare infrastructure. And part of that is to make sure that small business owners, which are the largest you know, a group across the country as far as employing people That's and they're true. the backbone of our, our commercialism, um, then you need to make it easier for them. They need to be able to insure their employees or make sure they have access to health care. We talk to a lot of small businesses about their employees coming to us to use our sliding fee scale and right. whatnot and help them apply to insurance um, because it's just so difficult for them to afford it as a small business owner. Um, but that, that makes up a lot of our uninsured that we see, our folks that are in that, that position, that gap. So we, we try to help them with the access. And, um, you know, we have a sliding fee scale because of funding we receive. So that's special and unique to generations. You're not going to find that a lot of places. So yeah. we try to help meet those gaps for them. It's difficult, but that's where our creative staff come in yeah. and help out. And maybe two other things I'd like to share about your work is uh, with education and health education and mm-hmm. ha- you know, having the next generation of workers come up and how easy it is for you to find people these days. Oh, my gosh. And then the, yes, <laughs> and then the other side is you know, partnering with local groups. What could people watching us now or listening do to either connect to local groups or begin to learn more? They know they need more. Local news is very limited these days. So a lot of information that we're chatting about, you know, is not widely available or you have to be searching on your own. Where could people go to become better informed? And then, you know, the role for students, uh, you know, academic programs. Eastern has a whole thing happening with their nursing program. Yes, they do. That's a real change (laughs) in that school where they're doing a lot with health sciences. And now nursing is coming there. Mm -hmm. So could you share, you know, in those two areas? Yeah, we're really excited about the nursing programs. There's a, a couple of local s- colleges that are getting into that. I can't reveal all the names yet because they haven't announced, but we're okay. very excited about Easterns because yeah. we're right down the street from Eastern. And, That's right. And we do so much work with Eastern already. Um, I'm an alumni of Eastern. I'm on uh, their business advisory council, and, and I've taught there. It's a great relationship. We take students from there all the time so they can come and shadow and do internships and whatnot. Um, it's a great relationship. We're really looking forward to the nursing program, letting them come and do clinical rotations in our health center. Um, that's, that's the wave of the future because nursing, uh, nursing schools in the last few years started to shut down. That's right. Um, they lost students and then they shut down. And so there's, a, there's just a desert of nursing, available nursing and COVID unfortunately had major impact on the availability of nursing. Um, you know, they, they faced challenges. Most of us didn't, uh, our nurses across the country. And so in Eastern Connecticut, um, it's, it's truly been a big gap as far as trying to hire nurses. We've been very fortunate. We've brought in some RNs over the last year, year and a half. Uh, we've really expanded that role. A big focus for them is that health education um, because that's what you need for chronic disease yep. management and to stay on the prevention side of healthcare. Um, so you don't have to end up in the emergency department and whatnot. So we really wanna put a focus on the nurses and what they're able to provide our patients with education and disease management and whatnot. That's definitely one of the things for the future that we wanna expand on um, in many ways. As far as getting information, I'm gonna to have to say, go to social media. There's a lot of information out there. 
all your local um, partners, your community partners, generations, your healthcare organizations, put information out there about what is happening in healthcare all the time to keep our patients informed, our partners informed. Uh, we put some things on our website, we all do, um, but social media is that current, this is what's happening right now. Um, and I, I know, um, you know, legislators always have running information on their web pages for what's happening with changes. Oh, your current bills. Absolutely, like sure. current bills. And sure. I would encourage people to keep an eye on that because when it comes time to vote, which I encourage everyone to do, be part of, of that uh, civic duty, watch for the folks who are looking out for you, who are looking out for your health care, who's trying to make sure we have a health care workforce, who's trying to make sure that health care is accessible. Those are people you should get behind when it comes time to vote because they care about you. They understand that you have to invest in healthcare to invest in your economy at large. You need healthy people to have them working and being part of, you know, participating in your community. Um, healthcare is essential. It's, it's a human right. That's how we feel. And so the people that invest in that are the ones you should follow for that information. I think by doing it like this, you not you don't have to send your healthcare somewhere else. You mm -hmm. don't have to send it outside your community. You you've got that community right here. You can train that community. There's another thing that I think um, patients can do to help themselves. They have many many self help groups, and we've got many groups also. We have therapy groups. We have therapy yeah. groups, we smoking cessation groups. Is that part of your patient resources? Mm -hmm. When you go to their website, they have a very nice, clear path to go for uh, some information. If you're a patient, you have a portal to, to kind of get your information. They have a whole section on programs and services available. Mm -hmm. They have a section on their locations, and at the end are resources. And I guess you're alluding those are where people can get more in between their visits. Yeah, we're going to be listing a yeah. whole group of uh, therapy groups that are starting this year, and some are for Spanish-speaking only folks oh, even. Good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we're really expanding our behavioral health services this year. Really excited about it. So folks should definitely go to our website and check that out. Right, genhealth.org, right? Yes, thank okay. you. There's cross-connections also between disciplines, and it's surrounded by disease. So, you know, if you're a diabetic, you should get your teeth worked on, checked out. HIV, mm -hmm. soft tissue disorders, big, yeah. big thing. We've got some solid, solid quality in, in those programs. So it's in those integrations that you actually add value when you, when you can when you surround your, um, your, your disease and you know mm -hmm. that, look, you're scanning for retinopathy because blindness from diabetes is a big issue. It is. And if you can prevent one, my gosh, you're paying for your program. That's the secret paycheck. Mm -hmm. That's the secret paycheck. The economy will not recognize it. Your paymaster will be very happy because he'll say, hey, you know what? I saved the whole bunch of money. But I think these are the hidden things that somehow haven't reached the economic uh, stage of being quantified. Yeah. I think patients, by talking to each other, they get some great ideas and they get some self-management tools and they get some self-management skills and they get some confidence from each other. And it allows them to do some amazing things. I can't tell you how many folks, including myself, quit smoking. And if you think that doesn't have some kind of <laughs> a value... How long has it been for you? Oh, my gosh. It's uh, a long time. 25 years. Okay. 25 years. Congratulations. Yeah. Before I came to You'll live longer. Yeah. 
Yes, they say after 25 years, hopefully your lungs uh, will recover a little bit. But I don't know. I, uh, you know, I think anything you can do to to get your arms around your own self-management is a big, big step. And the ways in which we can we form our opinions is through other people and by providing those opportunities to patients you get a much better shot at improving those outcomes so i'd like to do something while we have a few minutes left and one is to uh, not get nostalgic but to say since you've had 20 plus years of service in this way uh maybe it's a long story with many historic examples but the number one thing you think that has been your greatest accomplishment that you wish to have done that you got done and the number one thing you think is still out there that the system's still working on this one thing and that's my unfinished goal you know beyond the moment those two extremes there's so many things that are amazing i think the people are the things that are just absolutely outstanding amazing people at generations amazing people in the community people like Jeff Beadle, mm. uh, um, Belinda Clark, Jane Metzapotz. <laughs> I'm thinking of all these people. Great, great advocates. I mean, you never felt alone when you were in a meeting with those people, especially if you were advocating for our community and stuff like that. These people were fierce advocates, uh, unrelenting in their zeal, uncompromising in their uh, approach for equality. And insistent, insistent, insistent that we do right for our patients. And I think you can see that, you know. I think that's what I, I, I really, and the board, what a wonderful board. They have put up with my antics and they have agreed to do the most amazing things. And collectively, mm -hmm. we have achieved some things that you would never have dreamed about. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just very grateful that um, that this energy was purposed in such a creative way and such an outstanding way, and we've got stuff to show. Mm -hmm. We've got great stories to show. We've got patience to talk about. And not just that, I think we've also affirmations. You know, we have a bunch of, uh, this is a love fest, you know. <laughs> I, I, I just... I can feel the buzz. I, you know, I, I can't help it. When I look at my team of people, and we it's had a good time. it's not just it's not just the folks who sit, you know, in decision making places. Mm. It's throughout the company, throughout the company, we have done some really fine, fine, fine work, and it's nothing bigger than just seeing patients one at a time. Mm. But that sense of that sense of compassion, that mm -hmm. sense of Everyday life too. It is. No, I think it showed. In, it shows in, in humans the, taking care of it's humans. It's showing in the kindness in our management. It shows mm -hmm. in the, the 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 soft edges we have in our communication. I mean, we fight a lot. We used to fight a lot. <laughs> we are be creative. We mm -hmm. are no, but the idea was yes. We need a better product. That was the fight, yeah. and we know that that was the fight. The fight was for a better product. The fight was for a better service. The fight was for better satisfaction of our staff. How to be our best. And knowing that our staff satisfaction, when our staff satisfaction improves, the patient satisfaction also gets better. 
So once again, you know, we're doing this show today during the week of the transition between these two good folks. And so, Melissa, maybe one thing you could do to go into your crystal ball, mm -hmm. especially because you've been here through a whole lot of this to be part of the history already. Mm -hmm. When you look at the big laundry list of all the things that are possibly being done, what do you think are the things in your first year that you think would have the biggest return to help the big picture? Not the micromanaging of the projects, but structural things that would help you move ahead. We have to make things easier for people. I think folks came through the pandemic traumatized in lots of different ways, personally, professionally, mm -hmm. so many ways. And so for our staff and our patients, we need to make things easier. The patients have not all returned to care. They stayed away from care during the pandemic because they were afraid, sure. and rightly so. Um, it was a scary time, and it still is. And so not everyone has come back. And not all, empl not all of our jobs are filled. People are nervous about the healthcare settings and they're traumatized. And so how do you get people to come back? How do you get people to wanna work where you are and feel like you're the employer of choice? How do you get patients to come back and think you're the provider of choice? You have to, make a, you have to give them good quality care in an easy fashion. And that means everything from I can make my appointment on my phone to the person that answers the phone, knows what they're doing, is compassionate and kind and roots me quickly and efficiently. Wow, that's and, a and my provider sees me, listens to all my concerns, but took care of everything. It didn't take all day, but was comprehensive. And, and that you bring services to people. That's the other thing. We're going to be launching a new mobile unit later this year. And I also want to look at bringing more specialty in-house. Again, we have to make things easier for patients because they are traumatized, things are difficult, our healthcare system has really never been more complicated. So we've gotta make the connections easier, shorter, faster, and better. Yeah. And that way they're comfortable, they trust you, they think they're not just getting good quality care, but it's kind care, it's efficient and accurate care, and then they're gonna tell someone else, I love my healthcare provider, you should oh, go yeah. over here. You know, yeah. well, yeah, and, that kind of word of mouth, you can't buy right. that. That's and that doesn't happen unless that person is just astounded at how they were treated. So that's what we need to do. And I think coming out of the pandemic where everything was hard for a really long time and still is to a degree, you've got to make things easier because healthcare is complicated. So we need to make that bridge easy and, um, you know, as effective as possible so that people will come back and stay in care because otherwise, the outcome is nothing anybody wants. You know, we want to see people healthy and happy and living their best lives. And to do that, we need to be our best selves yeah. as healthcare providers. Yeah. So that's, that's some of our goals. Right. And when you look at the health needs of the area, are there certain needs that are emerging that require more attention in recent years? Certain medical challenges that you're having a higher incidence where you have to look at resources to say, well, where are the numbers shifting? Mental health, yeah. mental health, mental health. Really? Yeah. Um, the anxiety and depression that, um, you know, was always a higher rate in Eastern Connecticut anyway, unfortunately, and with less resources because it's a rural area. That's right. Got so, just escalated so much during the pandemic. And you've probably heard that out, yeah. um, you know, in the news. It's true across the country, but in an area where transportation is difficult and not everybody understands tech or has technology to do telehealth, 
um, not everyone's comfortable with that. So you've got to figure out different ways of getting people into that care. And um, it's just overwhelming. Our, our healthcare team is doing the best they can, but it is overwhelming. The, the need has just escalated to such a high degree, but it's mental health. Yeah. And that's post-pandemic. That's a result. Moving forward. Last thoughts, Arvind, before we close up? Well, I just... Except you know, thank you for being here, for being in the no, studio. I want to thank the... For all your good I work. want to thank the community for... Um, uh, and the patients. Mm. Our patients of generations for trusting us, um, for... for... Um, for allowing our programs to thrive for um, putting their faith in our providers, in our leadership, and for investing, investing in, in public health. I think, uh, you know, that building we built uh, produces 50,000 visits every year. Every year. And it has been doing that since? 2011. <laughs> 2011. So, you know, there you have it. You have your investment coming back. You have local services. It's, uh, um, you know, we need to, uh, you know, thing that I ask the community is to continue to su support Generations, continue to support uh, our board, continue to ask our, our, our politicians to, to uh, step up their game and to advocate for all of us not just the people who voted for them, but for all of us. All of us deserve good health. It, you know, it, it just makes good sense for our community. So thank you. Okay. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today uh, here on, on the home front. We'll continue our coverage, uh, you know, in the months ahead with Melissa, looking at some of the programs and services. This is part of a series that we're also doing with WRCC. I know Arvin mentioned Jeff Beadle before. He's been a partner on several shows. And also something Jeff mentioned that I didn't know was back in the early days, WRCC was a partner in some small initial grant mm -hmm. that ended up giving Generations its, it, its first time. They were. They were. That's right. So, that's a little Jeff Beetle, you know, how things come full circle, full right? Circle. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll continue our look at healthcare in the region uh, in the months ahead. So I wish you well. Thank you both again. Thank you. And Thank we'll see you. you next week here on the home front. Take care.